What's good, big dogs? Welcome back into the BDGE Dynasty channel. My name is Adam. We bring content to you Monday through Friday, every single week on the Game of Dynasty. If you're new to the channel, go down, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of the content that we're bringing. Go down, hit that like button, and comment away. Let us know what you think of these videos. Today, I'm going to be breaking down the 2024 class of receivers. If you don't know, now you know. This class is absolutely loaded at the receiver position. Ridiculous. You saw earlier in the week, Nick brought to you and talked with you about the running backs in this 24 class. How relative to you know the perception, this class may be a value at the running back position. But I'm going to go through the receivers, kind of give you where I have them ranked, in my tiers and I'm going to also talk with you about the strategy side what I'm doing with these picks if I was possibly going to move them what type of players and veterans I'm looking for in the current NFL field but before we do all that you already know we got to get tucked coming out of the Ohio State University Marvin Harrison Jr. is honestly about as bulletproof as a prospect as you could get. As a receiver, checking every single box, and with him not running at the combine, him running would probably only hurt his stock if he didn't perform as well as he'd like or the NFL teams would like to see him. He's already going to be locked into a top five pick in the NFL draft, and he's currently going to be a 101, 102, 103 type player in super flex startups. This guy's inside the top five already on keep trade cut. He's being drafted in the early part of the second round in startups. This is a player I'm pretty much diamond handing. Because he's already going to be valued in that range with CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson, maybe right on the heels of that, you're talking about the wide receiver four or five realistically in Dynasty, someone this good, I'm probably diamond handing this pick unless you can trade for him straight up into a guy like maybe Amon Ross St. Brown. Outside of something like that though, I'd rather just hold and keep Marvin Harrison Jr. This time of year, he is such a valuable player and a receiver with as much hype as he has. It doesn't even matter what he does in production for the entire first year of his NFL career. He has value insulation that's ridiculous. You don't really need me to tell you a whole lot about Marvin Harrison Jr. Everybody pretty much knows a lot about him and that he's a special, elite, talented player. But the wide receiver two in this class, Malik Neighbors, realistically, he's only wide receiver two because Marvin Harrison Jr. is so good. And I have these two guys in the same tier. I believe Malik Neighbors is right on the heels of Marvin Harrison Jr. as far as what he's done at the NCAA level at LSU. He's honestly almost bulletproof when you look at him as a prospect as well. The fact that you have these two guys in the same class is ridiculous. If I was to put Malik Neighbors back in the 2023 class, wide receiver one ahead of JSN, if we go back to the 2022 class, I'd have him as the wide receiver one ahead of whoever you had at the time, whether that was Drake London, Garrett Wilson, or Traylon Burks. He's the wide receiver one in that class for me as well. And I really like Garrett Wilson coming out of Ohio State. You'd have to go back to the 2021 class, and he'd be in the same conversation as Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, you got to remember, in his last season, it was the COVID year, he didn't play. I still would probably have Jamar Chase ahead of Malik Neighbors. But point is, you got to get to a guy like that in the prospect to have him definitely ahead of someone like Malik Neighbors. And when you have that type of context, that's why this class on the high end is so special. You've got Malik Neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr. Right now, Malik Neighbors is being valued already in keep trade cut as a top 10 receiver. You're seeing him come off the board in the third round of startups where they're drafting rookies already. He's like the 305. This guy, I think, is only going to go higher from there. I honestly believe he's going to end up being a second round pick in startups. And again, this is is a guy I'm diamond handing. If I have Malik Neighbors or the pick that you think could become Malik Neighbors, that 103, 104, 105 type pick, I'm not trading out of Malik Neighbors unless I can get myself securely into Puka Nakua types, Tyreek Hill types. I'm not trading my Malik Neighbors for someone that's not already defined clearly in my tier.
year two, and that I believe just gives me so much more security, safety. I'm probably going to be holding any pick that I have, which could become elite neighbors, unless somehow someone's sending me a godfather type offer. All right, so now that we talked through the easy one and two for me at the receiver position, let's talk about Romo Dunze, who honestly I believe is not very far behind these guys. I currently have him in tier two. However, I could see him sneaking into that tier one, especially as one of the guys that is performing in the combine tomorrow. You'll see on Saturday what he runs and how he performs at the NFL combine. I think he has a lot to gain by going out there and proving himself. If he runs a really fast 40, he ends up checking a lot of these boxes that we're looking for as far as his athleticism goes. I think when you have that combined with what he's done on the field the last two years in particular, Romo Dunze is a very special talent. This guy's really smooth in his routes. Honestly, I'm seeing a lot of separation. I think Romo Dunze has the chance to be an elite player at the NFL level. And if he goes out there and performs extremely well at the NFL Combine, he's going to go from the Tier 2 to me inside of Tier 1. And at this point, I think where he's valued right now, you're going to see this shift completely. Keep Trade Cut currently has him as wide receiver 22. I think there's no chance that he stays in this range. I think he's going to be a lot closer to a top 15, maybe even inside of that after the NFL Combine. And if you look at the ADP data on South Harmon, he's currently in this fifth round, the 501. I think he's going to end up smashing that as well. He's easily a fourth round. I think might even be a third round pick in startups when all said and done. So right now for me, Rome is one of these guys. If you have that 106, 107 pick where you're having a chance to get a guy like Roma Dunze, I'm diamond handing this pick. Roma Dunze to me, I think is going to end up being slated more in this top 15 range at this time of year, especially as the hype continues to build on this 24 class coming off the combine. Then you're going to have the NFL draft coming in April. I think over the next two months, this value bump that Roma Dunze is going to see, I'm honestly holding him unless I can get myself into someone that you really strongly believe in, in a tier ahead of him. The way that he has this alpha size, he runs smooth routes and has the ability to be an alpha at the NFL level. I think there's really strong upside as well as very strong value insulation. So I think you have a pretty safe and secure asset. I'm not going to trade out of that unless I'm getting what I think is a really good value at the receiver position back. So there's the top three easy receivers for me in this class. You don't need too much information on these guys other than to know this. They check almost every single box that you need from the analytics and the film perspective. They're likely to get the draft capital. And if Roma Dunze performs really well at the combine, these are three very good receivers that have tremendous upside in the NFL. Okay, now there's six other receivers in this 24 class that I want to talk with you about today. I kind of have them broken down into two separate categories. And let's start with the first one. This is my tier three. And it's going to be Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, as well as Troy Franklin from Oregon. Okay, so Brian Thomas Jr. in his first two years at LSU didn't have a whole lot of production in those years but this last year he completely popped off the page had almost 1200 yards of receiving as well as 17 touchdowns actually scored more touchdowns than a guy like Malik Neighbors did and when you look at Brian Thomas Jr. the fact that he has this athletic upside a guy that's 6'4 6'5 and over 200 pounds plus the fact that he has measurables that people are saying he's going to run potentially under a 4'5 at the combine this could be a size speed freak that has a really good year of production under his belt and given all that this is a receiver that currently in startups when you're driving drafting players he's coming off the board in the seventh round I think there's no chance that that's where he's going to end up going so I'm unlikely right now to trade a pick in the range of a Brian Thomas Jr. or the player if I actually have him on my roster for something less than like a fifth round startup pick 
So because of that, I'm probably holding on to him. If you're like most leagues and you have rookie picks still, conceptualize right now where I'm at at wide receiver four and tier three for me with this class. And we're talking probably in that 108, 109 range. Gives you a chance to get a guy like Brian Thomas Jr. Right now we have Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., Drake May, Jaden Daniels, and Malik Neighbors as the top five. Pretty consensus there. The 106, a guy like Roma Dunze, who we already went over. Brock Bowers at the tight end position is an elite tight end prospect and likely to get top 10, 15 draft capital at worst. So you pencil him in there at that 107 range. J.J. McCarthy starting to get a ton of buzz and is becoming what is viewed as likely a first-round pick in the NFL, potentially inside the top 15 picks. You're talking about 108 right there before I even get to Brian Thomas Jr. So if I'm in that 108, 109 range, I'm not trading off of this pick, honestly, unless I can get myself into probably a fifth-round range of startups. So I'm talking about guys like T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf, who might be a little bit discounted, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, Rasheed Rice. If I can't trade my 108, 109 for a receiver like that, I'm likely to just hold on to this, diamond hand this pick, because I know the value is going to continue to accrue when we see a guy as athletic and as talented as Brian Thomas Jr. being drafted in the first round of NFL drafts. All right, so that brings us to the wide receiver five for me in this class. That's going to be Troy Franklin out of Oregon. This guy right now is looking to be somewhere between 6'2", 6'4", about 180, 185 pounds. He's a little slender, but with that type of size, plus the speed that he offers, likely to be very fast again in the NFL Combine. This is somebody that's likely to be a first-round pick in the NFL Draft. I think he's going to check a lot of boxes for people, and the way the community seems to be viewing him relative to the guys I haven't gotten to, that's what kind of keeps him for me in this Tier 3. Right now, Troy Franklin, just like Brian Thomas Jr., he's coming off the board in the seventh round, just two picks behind him at the 7.05, wide receiver 33 in startups. With what he's likely to do as far as draft capital, I think he's going to end up going higher, probably inside the top 30 when it's all said and done. When you take a look at Troy Franklin's game, for me anyway, he offers that alpha size and he's a lot of burst, some suddenness to his game. He can definitely separate from people with his speed and agility, but with this slender frame, I tend to watch a lot of physicality problems that he has. He doesn't get off of press very well when people get their hands on him, and I don't think that he plays very physical and makes a lot of contested catches. So those are the things that I don't think that he offers. But the reason I have those two guys in a separate tier from the next four that we're going to get to is community perception. I think overall in general, for Dynasty players, from a strategy standpoint, this is one of the most overlooked things in a rookie draft or in a startup draft. What is the value insulation of a player? When you go ahead and press the button and draft a rookie, whether that is in a startup or a rookie draft, what is the value insulation of this player? And overall, what really determines what a player's value is in Dynasty Fantasy Football? And when you take a look last year at production for receivers, you'll see one in three, you're going to have Tyreek Hill and Keenan Allen. Then as you go a little further down the list, you got guys like DJ Moore, Stephon Diggs, Mike Evans, Debo Samuel, all inside the top 15 from a points per game perspective or production. Now go over to Keep Trade Cut, for example, and take a look at their dynasty rankings and where they value receivers in dynasty. You're only going to see one of those producers inside the top 12, and that's Tyreek Hill. Obviously, him being 30, the age is the reason why his value is pushed down. And the only reason he's inside the top 12 is because he was such a points per game producer, such a difference maker, that at this point they can't push him down past 12 currently. But the point of that is obviously that production is not the most important or only thing when it comes to dynasty value. And if you take a look right now, a lot of the players ranked inside this top 15 in dynasty, they're going to be extremely young. And in this offseason time, everything pretty much does revolve around age. Everybody wants to get younger. Those assets people think they'll have for 5, 8, 10 years in Dynasty, even if their Dynasty League isn't going to last that long. 
But as this offseason continues and we get closer to that July, August, September range when the NFL season is really coming upon us, you'll see a guy like Tyreek Hill creep higher and higher in rankings. DJ Moore, Debo Samuel. These vets are going to start creeping and some of the age will be pushed down. So when you think about it, in Dynasty, the combination of age plus production really convolutes how a player is valued. And the reality of Dynasty and where a lot of the value is tied to, Keep Trade Cut is a perfect example when you go to that website, they're going to ask you to keep, trade, and cut a player. The whole idea is they're polling the information you give them, you as a part of the Dynasty community. A ton of what Dynasty value is attached to is the way that a community overall values people. If the large majority of the Dynasty community is in on a player, their value is going to be inflated accordingly. And overall, when a community is very split on a player, if they're doing poorly or having a slow start to the career, you're going to see the people that are down on that player come out with their pitchforks and their value loss can be a lot greater. The floor can completely fall out on players like that. Whereas if the community overall is very bullish on somebody, they tend to give them more time to develop as a rookie and a young receiver in the game. Now, the reason I bring that up now, when I talk about Brian Thomas Jr. and Troy Franklin, at least at the current moment and what we know today going into the combine before the NFL draft, Overall, the sentiment from the community is pretty glowing, whereas the guys below them here, they're very much more split and not telling you that that's right or wrong and that these players are not good players or couldn't become great dynasty assets. What I'm telling you is the value insulation for these four is not nearly as secure in my estimation from Troy Franklin as well as Brian Thomas Jr., which gets to the next part, the top of my tier four. We start off with Keon Coleman out of Florida State University. Keon Coleman started at Michigan State. He was a transfer. He was playing both football and basketball at Michigan State. This guy's an athletic freak. He has a lot of the traits that could be one of these boom receivers. Um, you see a 6'4", 215 build, can jump out of the gym right now as far as all the receivers, likely to be the top vertical jump in the NFL combine. And I definitely get it with Keon Coleman. I understand why he's polarizing and why some people tend to be out. But for me, I tend to think, one, that Florida State definitely misused him a lot this year. The other thing is I think he has a lot of the traits that can translate to good success as a receiver and for dynasty teams. Obviously, he has the prototypical size and strength. There's no questioning that. I think the other thing he does really well with these short and intermediate routes, I see that he works his way back to the quarterback and back to the ball, almost like that rebounding mentality. He's going to get it, not really letting the ball come to him. He also really does a good job of high pointing the ball at the contested point of catch. So when you look at guy that's 6'4", 215, and he's actually high pointing it, there's huge upside, I think, in the red zone. And that's one of the things you do see the college level for him, where he was having success, and that was getting touchdowns at Florida State, having 11 touchdowns this year. The other thing is he has pretty soft hands. He didn't really have a whole lot of drops this season. So relative to that department, I think it's something that teams are going to like when drafting him. And we're seeing that he's typically going in mock drafts towards the end of the first round, which another thing about that is he could end up in a good landing spot with a quarterback that can throw the football to him. Now, there's definitely some things in his game which are not as nuanced and he could work on. I think the combine is a big thing for Keon Coleman. If he ends up running sub 4-5, I think that that could really boost his draft stock. Right now, I think he probably, if you set the over-under, is more in that mid 4-5s. Um, I think he has some very good traits, but maybe not the top high-end speed at the next level. If you go over to NFL.com, you could take a look at where Lance Zerline has his grades. I think overall, historically, he's done a very good job with grading players that are coming out of college into the NFL and his comps and you take a look at his comp right now it's Drake London so on the high side I think the boom is really real for a guy like Keon Coleman but again when I'm talking about putting him in the tier below Brian Thomas and Troy Franklin it's because I do think the dynasty community
community is very torn on him. So I think if he comes out of the gate slow in his rookie season, the floor may not be nearly as high as a guy like Brian Thomas Jr. or Troy Franklin, which is why ultimately he's in my tier four. Now getting into my wide receiver seven here, that's Lad McConkey out of Georgia. And I think this one's really interesting because the community is starting to warm up to a guy like Lad McConkey. When you go over to keep trade cut, you see that he's wide receiver 62 still in Dynasty. Now why I do expect that to rise, it kind of signals to me that there's plenty of people that don't really believe in Lad McConkey. Now he's definitely not as physically imposing as all the six in front of him. He's only 5'11", 185 pounds, but in today's NFL, I don't think the size for me is a concern at all. We've seen plenty of people far smaller than Lad that have a lot of success in the NFL. You think of Tank Dell last year, he's far smaller than Lad McConkey. The other thing with Lad is he's an extremely polished and crafty route runner, and I also think that he's a better athlete than people tend to think of him. That's why I'm really excited to see what he does at the NFL Combine. And I think that if he has a solid NFL Combine performance, that you'll see that he ends up securing himself day two draft capital. And again, if you take a look at his NFL comp from Lance Zerline, now overall, I know people have soured very much on Elijah Moore, but coming out of Ole Miss, this is a guy that was very highly thought of. He got very early round two draft capital and Lance Zerline comped into Antonio Brown. I think overall right now, Lad McConkey for me, securely in this tier, and I think has the potential to go higher. The reality is though, until the community starts to show me that they're more bullish, as a whole on Lad McConkey, he's got to stay in this range for me. Wide receiver 62 on keep trade cut. And with 130 startups in the books with the rookies actually being drafted in the startup, he's currently wide receiver 49 there. So until I see that really start to rise, I got to keep him in this tier four. And for me, again, he's my wide receiver seven in this class. Now coming in at my wide receiver eight, that's going to be Adonai Mitchell from Texas. He, again, I think is a little polarizing in the community. I know there's some that really love him and love a lot of the traits that he offers. I definitely can see where they're coming from. This guy is athletic. 6'4", 200 pounds. This whole class, you're talking about a lot of alpha type receivers in this class. But the thing with Adonai Mitchell for me is one, obviously the community sediment. Right now, still wide receiver 52 on keep trade cut and wide receiver 46 in startups at the moment. I'd like to see that come up more because again, I think his value insulation is a little bit lower. When I take a look at Lance Zerline's comp of George Pickens, I honestly think that fits very well. George Pickens is a very electric receiver and you see a lot of these high point highlight catches and people go crazy. But George Pickens so far at the NFL level has been a very very boomer bust receiver and doesn't really separate from DBs on a consistent basis. And coming in for me at number nine is going to be Xavier Worthy, also from Texas. This guy at six foot, about 170 pounds, definitely thin and slender of frame, but I'm very curious to see what he does at the combine tomorrow. Supposedly he ran under a 4-3 at high school, and we'll see when it comes to the combine in laser time if it ends up being the case that he can run a sub 4-3-40. I think it is very important for him though at the combine. Some of his intermediate stuff people are a little more concerned on. When it comes to his analytics, college target share as well as the breakout age are very high. Something that you love to see. And his college dominator rating, honestly, is pretty good too. So Xavier Worthy's profile analytically checks a lot of the boxes, but I know the film community is a little more skeptical and doesn't think that he offers a lot more than being a deep field stretcher in the NFL. Ultimately, we'll see what his combine says and what his draft capital is. But at the moment for me right now, gets in the back end of my tier four. Coming off the board in startups at wide receiver 41 and keep trade cut currently has him at wide receiver 49. I think he's got to be based on the community sediment and what we know about him today in this mix for me. And you can certainly make the case for Xavier Leggett Jalen Polk or Malachi Corley to be in this list as well. And for me, they just missed this tier when I look at their prospect profile as well as what the community sentiment is around them. And now when it comes to guys in this range, this tier four for me, Keon Coleman, Lad McConkey, Xavier Worthy, Adnai Mitchell, if I could get myself into a Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin, maybe even Mike Evans, I might do that if I was a contender and wanted to avoid the risk, just wanted to cash out now. 
But unless I can get myself into at least that range, the way I like to play Dynasty, I'm a little more risky. And at this point, these picks, I think, still have a lot of value surge to come over the next two months. So the 110, 111, 112, even the 201 type picks, if I can't get myself into that range of a player, I think I'm just going to hold for now and wait until the value surge continues and see if I couldn't get myself more into a receiver of that range then. And overall, kind of wrapping this up, I think Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and Roma Dunze have a very high view and perception from the community and overall are only likely to increase in value over the next couple months. Definitely not in the same tier as those three are Brian Thomas and Troy Franklin currently. I think they have a little bit better perception overall in the Dynasty community than the next four. If that's where I'm at today, a lot of this information can shift and change based on what we see at the Combine as well as the NFL Draft. But let me know, what do you think of the 2024 wide receivers? Who am I too high or too low on? Let me know down in the comments. I'll see you next Friday. I'll be talking the tight end position, what I'm looking for in the tight end position, and we'll have the NFL Combine results to really check the boxes for that. I'll see you next week. I'm out of this thing. Peace.